What's up, Grizz Nation? Welcome to the show. This is the Sports Ghost Business Podcast. I'm your host, David Williams. And as promised, it is not a solo show. I got my man Isaac Simpson with me tonight. Isaac, how's it going, man? Man, doing well. Uh, glad we're glad to be back. Uh, took a little hiatus, but I'm back, man. Had some, some some stuff going on, but glad to come back and talk about a win. Uh, I, I posted before this game and earlier today on Twitter. I said there's not a, no such thing as a must win in February, but I felt like this is probably as close as it got for the Grizzlies. I mean, they really really need to win this game, man, and they were able to able to do it. I mean, we've kind of seen a theme with this team where they get out to these fast leads, get out and transition early, build these double-digit leads, and then kind of let the other team creep back in and end up kind of losing the game, um, especially in the fourth quarter. They've been really struggling, but it was actually the opposite tonight, uh, really struggling in the third quarter. John Morant was able to kind of carry them, hit four threes. Uh, Zach Levine came out hot in that third quarter, and, and John kind of kept them afloat with those four threes. And just turn it up in the fourth quarter, man, um, on the defensive end. And what we've been preaching for time and time again, man, feed 13, man, they got him the ball um, in the fourth quarter. And he showed why he's, he was selected to the All-Star team. A lot of people out there outside of Memphis are hating on him for making the All-Star game. I mean, Andrew Wiggins made the All-Star team last year. And so, I mean, yeah, I ain't trying to hear I ain't trying to hear none of that, man. Jared deserves this. Right now, he's the defensive player of the year. And, you saw tonight what he's able to do on the offensive end, man, when you give him the basketball. There's no question in my mind. Jerry's an all-star, man. And like I said, nobody had anything to say when Andrew Wiggins made it last year. So, man, shout out to the K-pop all-star, baby. Yeah. <laughs> shout, yeah. Out, shout out to the Black Panther, man. He was on full display in that fourth quarter, man. You love to see it. He he really bookended this game. Like, he started yeah. good in the first. Awesome, goes man, four first quarter, four yeah. in the first quarter and, and was blocking everything. And I, and I know that he didn't. Like, Pete is 100% a, a professional. He did not say this. But <laughs> when I was listening to the broadcast, when Jaron blocked Vucevic and it went flying out of bounds, like, Pete was fired up. And it sounded like he said, get that shit out of here. But he said, get that shot out of here. And I would just like, I, I messaged Isaac. I, I, wish, like, he, I wish he had said that. I, I mean, I know that he's not awesome. gonna do that, but that would be insane if he yeah. did. So, and then you know, like the the second and third, Jaron kind of faded away. You didn't see much from him, and then a strong showing in the fourth. He was able to uh, to help the Grizzlies close this game out. And and closing has really been an issue for this team. I'm glad they were able to figure it out tonight. There there's still some concerns. There's stuff that I'm still worried about that doesn't get erased by one victory. I, I've been kind of negative over the last two podcasts, so I'm not going to dump on them super hard or anything like that because we got a lot of positives to talk about tonight's game. But I, there are a few things because I have been solo that I do want to talk about with Isaac and just kind of get his thoughts on them and, and, and let him speak on it. You guys have heard my thoughts. Isaac, the, the first thing, we, we talked about this a little bit before we started recording. We saw some changes in rotation from Taylor Jenkins tonight, you could tell, like, do you feel like this was the players? I know the players wanted it. You saw the energy in the first, and then you see it in the fourth. That's something we haven't been seeing from them. Do you feel like it was the players that were like, hey, we're tired of losing, we're staying out here, or do you think this was Taylor Jenkins making the adjustments? I I think it's probably a little bit of both, but I I think Taylor Jenkins really, really wanted to win this game tonight. Um, I've talked about it. David, we've talked about that on here as well, about him being kind of robotic in the way that he coaches. Doesn't do a lot by field, game script. He kind of just sticks to kind of the same rotations. Doesn't matter what's going on in the game. You can see the other team going on a 10-0 run, and if it's time for guys like John, Jared, Schiff to be over, he still takes them out and put in a bench unit, even when they're kind of losing momentum. Um, and tonight, you, we've seen this team. He tries to keep guys right around 30 minutes. I mean, you look down this box score, uh, John Morant, 35 tonight. Uh, Desmond Bain, what do you have, 35. Uh, Dylan Brooks, 35. Uh, Jared Jackson Jr., 32. Uh, so that, that's something that you don't usually see with this team. So I think that kind of shows how bad, bad Taylor Jenkins wanted to win this game. I uh, mean, you could just see the effort turn up. I mean, they had a really, really bad third quarter outside of those four jaw threes that I talked about, they kind of carried them. Outside of that, I mean, they kind of got waxed in the third quarter. They come out and, and win the fourth quarter, 32 to 14. Um, and, and another thing, Jaron 
had four fouls there. He didn't take him out, continued to ride him uh, late in that game because he was hot, man, and they didn't go – kept going to him, uh, which is something that we've asked for time and time again. So I like what I saw in, in the fourth quarter with, with the rotations and him sticking with Jared, even though he had a little bit of foul trouble there. Uh, but I don't think, as David said, I don't think this one game is going to fix all these issues. I think we can see next game and go back, right back, revert back, right back to what we've seen in the past and some of those issues. But for for one night, I think I, I like what I saw, and it felt like they were tired of losing. I, I think Taylor Jenkins was tired of losing. A lot of noise going on outside of, of also on, off the court with things going on. A lot of noise going around around the franchise. They just needed something positive to happen, and this game kind of felt the same. As we've seen, the theme with this team is they get out to these big double-digit leads in the first quarter and, and kind of fade uh, the rest of the game and have really struggled in four quarters. And it felt like this game was going to go the same way. Uh, but again, man, they just turned up the defensive effort. And when this team gets going on a defensive end, they usually get going on the offensive end. And, man, 32-14, fourth quarter, man, that's what won this game. And a lot of trip down the stretch on both ends, man. It was just, just fun to watch. And one thing – the the joy seemed to be back in the team. That's something that's been missing, I think, during this downturn. They don't they didn't seem to be having fun. I mean, you kind of saw that in the middle of this game as well. But at fourth quarter, man, you saw the guys fired up, the bench, I mean, Jared's yelling. Uh I mean you, you got Jaw with the with the door slammer with the dunk slapping the backboard, man, look to pumping up the crowd. Man, I was just glad to see that back because that's that's been missing. Uh this team, to be honest, hasn't been fun to watch lately and they haven't seemed to be haven't seemed to be having fun themselves and didn't seem to like playing with each other uh, lately. That joy has just been gone. But tonight, man, I think we saw in the fourth quarter some of that's back. So hopefully that carries on um, in, in, into these last few games and, and, and post-All-Star break. So let's go to Ja here on this next one. I, I've, I've said on here a couple of times at least that I like the facilitator Ja the best. I think that the Grizzlies are at their best when that's what he's doing. And he he put up a huge line tonight, 34 points, 7 assists, uh 6 rebounds. But you talked about that door slammer dunk. And for me, what opened up that door slammer dunk a couple possessions before that or, or maybe even the possession before that Ja has the ball, and the Bulls players are cheating. Desmond Baines wide open in the corner. Ja hits him, perfect pass, right in the shooting pocket. All Bain has to do is knock the three down. He knocks it down. Well, now that defense is like, okay, I can't cheat as much because he's capable of making those passes, and then he gets to a a dunk like that. I think if he – Defenses have been cheating him. Defenses have been trying, you know, you you see them getting off of their man a little bit more than they should. The guys still have to knock down the shots, but if he is able to get the ball to those guys in those spots, it's going to open up so much for him. We know how explosive he is on the offensive end. We know what he's capable of. And obviously, yeah, would I love to see him go crazy and, and drop like a 70 bomb or something like that? Of course, I, I would love to see something like that. But I think that a night like that happens for him when he's finding his teammates too. So do, do you feel the same way or do you think that he should just be, you know, obviously he's not going to be a selfish player and, and just be focused on him. But do you feel like the facilitator version of him is the best version, or is it something else for you? No, I agree one hundred percent. And I think the the crazy part about this line, he ended up scoring thirty four points early in this game in the first quarter. He was pretty much in full facilitation mode when Jaron was going going crazy there in the first first quarter. Man, great ball movement. He wasn't being aggressive as far as offensively, man, but he was making great passes, finding open guys, finding cutters. And I, I think when he plays that way first, um, I think he'll find his offense, like you said. And I, and I think we've seen a lot of too much of hero ball job in the fourth quarter. And I think last year that worked. I mean, we saw a lot of that and it worked, but I think teams are now kind of expecting that and they've, they've kind of, they're kind of sitting on that. So they, they, their defense is set for that. And I think it's been a lot tougher for him to kind of finish those games in that way 
this year than it has been in the past. But I think, as you said, when when he makes those kind of plays, especially late in games, he's finding uh, Desmond Bain in the corner for that three. Like you said, that allow gives them something to think about, and, and they can't just speak uh, and double down on him like that when when they know that he there's a chance that he finds other guys to get involved. I um, mean, I think that's what we saw tonight, and that makes things easier for him. So I, I definitely think that. Uh, I think he's one of the best passers in the league. Uh, but there's there's no question about that. His assist numbers are up. But I love to see when he's in facilitation mode because I think this team, when you, when he's playing like that, that's when his team is at, at his best. I um, mean, he mixes and matches, picks his spots, and that's what we saw a lot tonight because, again, he wasn't super aggressive in the first quarter. He still ends up with, with 34 points. So that proves that he can still kind of balance that, be that superstar, still put up 30-plus points, but still be the facilitator they can be. I mean, you know, seven assists tonight. Uh, just played a, a fantastic game, and he, again, scored 34 points, but it doesn't feel like he was selfish or taking a whole lot of shots. It felt like he got that within within the offense. So I, I, I like, again, man, a lot of positive things to, 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 to see tonight, especially when you talk about booking this game in the first and four, fourth quarters. Not, not so much in the second and third, but, again, man, it, it's a work in progress, man. They've been struggling and working through some things. You obviously miss, really miss Stephen Adams. I don't think there's any question about that. Uh, we got to get out rebounded by 10 tonight, uh, but some, some really nice things. And again, one thing that I'm really, really happy about off subject is I'm just happy to see that fourth quarter from trip. Um, it just, I want to continue to see them get the ball inside. And I think Jai is, it's made a more of a concerted effort at times of doing that, but I think we can see it a little bit more, but to, back to the, to the point, I think when Jai's in that kind of mode, when he's facilitating, I think that, Gives the defense something to think about. I think that just makes it much, that much easier for him when he decides he wants to wants to drive and, and, and get his offense going. Yeah, yeah. You know, there's no question about it that John Moran is the best player on this team. And then you have Jaron and and Desmond Bain. I think for t- to me at least, John and Des can do things to kind of get themselves going. Jaron, while he can handle the ball really well for a seven-footer, he's not a guy that's really going to go out there and create his own shots. So finding ways to get him involved because he can be so dangerous. That's early in the game. What were they doing? The Bulls were trying to put Patrick Williams on him. Jaron was dominating that dude. They had zero shots. Well, if they switch and they put Vucevic on him, which is a bigger physical player that Jaron couldn't necessarily take advantage of in the post, okay, let's stretch him out to the three and make him guard Jaron on the perimeter. He creates nightmare matchups. It it takes a special kind of player to really guard Jaron. There's not many. And, And the Grizzlies help these teams guard him because they go away from him so much. So Every night. Jaron being your second best player, you you have to find ways to get him going because he is not a uh, he's not a guy that's really going to go out and create his own shot. So glad to see that from him. I would love to see a complete game, but he he was good on the defensive end. He was able on the able to be on the floor, and he was able the best ability is availability, and and he was that tonight. And the next player that I want to go to in tonight's game, I want to talk about Dylan. And I, I want to I, – I don't even know how to – I don't even know how to approach it, to be honest, because I fully understand where some of this fan base is coming from about the shot selection and about – the bad stuff that Dylan does. But those of you that dislike Dylan Brooks, I need you to at least admit to me that you have goggles on and all you're focused on is the bad things that he does because he's a positive impact player. This team, it you, you can find these stats. I'm not just pulling this out of my butt. You can find the stats on cleaning the glass. When Dylan is on the floor, this team's rating, plus-minus rating, is plus 7.7. 7. 
when Dylan leaves the floor, this team is seven points worse. He, even with all of the crazy bad shot taking, the stuff that drives you insane, even with all of that, because of how good he is defensively, he is still a positive impact player. I I don't get where the boos are coming from. I, I don't get where your head is. I don't get where your heart is whenever it comes to that. Because why would you want a player on your team to fail? And maybe you don't. Maybe that's just me kind of assuming something and making an ass out of myself. But Dylan Brooks is a good basketball player. And I can guarantee you this. If they package him in a deal and they trade for OG Ananobi, you guys are going to be disappointed as hell because OG Ananobi is not this savior that you think he is. He's not. No. Go go back and look at how many games OG Ananobi has played over the last couple of seasons. Go and look. He is not a guy that stays on the floor. He has not played many. I think he's played less than 60 games over, over the last couple seasons. And and it's he cannot stay healthy. Some of that may be Nick Nurse because Nick Nurse runs his guys in the ground. But even outside of the health issues, there is at a very at the at the most, and I don't even know that I agree with this. At the very most, OG Ananobi is a half step better than Dylan Brooks. And to go and get OG Ananobi, you're going to have to give up assets. You're going to have to give up more than one first round pick to go out and get him. Yeah, man. I, I just, I, I don't get it, man. Yeah, I, I've been beating this drum for for weeks now on OG. Um, not, don't get me wrong. I like OG Ananobi as a player. Um, you mentioned the injury history, which is is not good, but. Outside of that, I, I keep telling you, OG Ananobi is not the upgrade that over Dylan Brooks that a lot of people are trying to pretend that he is, especially not with these ruined packages. Like it's going to be three first round picks, maybe even Dylan himself and a couple of other players. Like, I don't understand when OG Ananobi became this guy. It's like he's been the most talked about guy on the market or, or the best player. And everybody's all of a sudden like he's this superstar. Like, that's, I, I understand that the trade market has changed with the Rudy Gobert stuff, and that's kind of inflated these deals. But I'm not giving up. The Grizzlies, and everybody knows that I've been a guy that's wanted them to be a bit more aggressive, this Grizzlies front office, than they have. But I think you, I want them to be aggressive for the right guy. Like, and they've been patient this long. OG Ananobi is not the guy for them to kind of make an all-in trade on. Because this team struggles – in half-court offense, they they struggle in perimeter defense, and that's with Jaron. I mean, not Jaron, but with Dylan. So, if anything, OG Ananobi might be a tick better than Dylan Brooks d- defensively. But, I mean, they're right there. They're one and two. I mean, it's not like there's some huge difference because I don't think you could be much better than Dylan uh, uh, defensively. So, I think he's one of the best in the league. So, I think that's – you're not going to get a, a huge boost there. And people act like OG Ananobi is Steph Curry or something. I mean, a guy shoots like 36% from three. He's not a guy that you say, oh, well, my, my half-court offense sucks. Let's go get OG, and everything's going to be fine. He has some major flaws in his offensive game, too. He's not like he's this guy that's just going to come in. He only averages one point a game more than Dylan Brooks on, on one less shot. It's not like you talk about Dylan Brooks being inefficient. Dylan Brooks, it's only – I can't remember. I had the numbers, but it's – Dylan Brooks take, takes one more shot a game than OG Ananobi. It averages one point less. So, it, I mean, and you're talking about basically moving Dylan, three first-round picks, probably Zahir and all this stuff, OG. And when you get OG Ananobi, even though he's a, a nice player and it might be a slight upgrade, you're still going to have the same issues that you have with this team right now. He's not going to fix what ills this team, and he's just not the guy to go all in on. I, I think people are – just seeing this team struggling now, and he's the biggest name out there, and everybody's saying, go get him. Most of these people that are talking about this, they would they didn't, couldn't even tell you anything about OG Ananobi two months ago. This is just, his name has been out there, and he's the biggest name that seems to, outside of Kyrie, that might get moved, it seems like. So everybody's on him now, and 
I think if you go get OG Ananobi and you give up what it takes to get him, I think you might be looking back on this deal the same way people are looking now, looking at the Timberwolves and the Rudy Gobert deal. I, I don't, I don't think he changes the ceiling of his team enough, even close enough to give up all that. I don't think there's enough difference between him and Dylan. People are just there. Are a lot of people are just so off on Dylan now. They they're just willing to just give him away. Like he has no value, and that's just ridiculous. I mean, even as he get booed tonight, and bad as he shot the basketball tonight, he was still a plus ten uh, tonight. Um, in a game where they were uh, down by eight points at one point. Now, it was like this was just a blowout runaway win or anything. I mean, they took over in the fourth quarter, but he was still a plus 10 in this game. So I- I'm just – I'm not down there for, for OG at that price, man. I think they're asking way too much, and I-, I think people have unrealistic expectations of what he would do if they brought him in. He's just not the guy for me that I'm going to go all in on. Even being a guy that wants them to make a move, I want them to make the right move, and I don't think that's it at all. Yeah, you know, it's I mentioned this in my last solo pod. It's very hard to navigate the NBA and it's very it's very very easy to make a misstep and miss a championship window. I talked about the Oklahoma City Thunder, I talked about the Denver Nuggets, you know, they tied up a lot of money in Gary Harris because they thought that Gary Harris was going to work out better than what he did. And so it, they kind of handcuffed themselves and were not able to do what they needed to do to help get that team over the top. I don't want to see the Grizzlies do that. There is only one person that could maybe be had right now that I'm willing to be like, okay, let that, let's do an all-in move, and that's Kevin Durant. Yeah. And, and there's no guarantee that he's available. I'm not going to discuss what it would take to get him at this point. I'm not going to go down that road tonight. I'm not going to, you know, it's a pipe dream. There's not even, we don't have a guarantee that Brooklyn is going to trade him. So we have no idea what's going to happen, but. Yeah, I was going to say the news, the news today has kind of been that they, they're they not going to move him. They said Phoenix has got to make calls and several other teams. I I wonder if the Grizzlies were one of those teams. I got a feeling that they might be. Uh, they said several teams have kind of called them, but they as of today, that they really don't plan on moving him. They said he's continuing to have, conversations with Jock Vaughn in, in the front office probably about what else they're going to do because I don't think Brooklyn is done at all. Um, they made a small trade today with, with Sacramento um, and saved them some money and cleared a roster spot. So I got a feeling they got something something else cooking uh, to try to satisfy KD and keep them there. I, I think they got a, a good haul uh, from from Dallas. Uh, getting I'm a big fan of Dorian Finney-Smith. Uh, yeah, I mean, he he's, really, he's really kicking off, man. He's a, a really good player. I think when you look at it is not to get off something. It's not a Mavericks podcast. When you look at Luca and Kyrie on paper, it, it sounds good, but I think their defense is really going to suffer. And I have questions about long term Luca and Kyrie's relationship. Like I have real questions about that working out. And like I said, Luca's already kind of a cranky dude, and Kyrie is Kyrie, and it, that 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 it, it could be wonderful, and also could be a disaster. And I think it it could end quickly to the point to where he ends up leaving there in free agency and they end up screwing up, man, make that big deal, and he ends up walking. I, I think that's a, a real possibility, man. Cuban and, and that front office took a real risk, man, making making that deal. We'll see how it works out. But the, the I, one I, thing I – I don't mean to talk over you, but the one no, thing that I will say about that deal, to me, there are not many owners in this league. Heck, there, there are none. Cuban is unique as an owner. And I think that if anybody can have a relationship with Kyrie to keep him in a spot where you're not going to get all of this, I don't even know the best word to use to describe it because I don't want, I like he, he's just a head case. Like you never yeah. know like that. That's really, I guess that's the best way to say it. You don't know what's going to trigger him in order to make him set out games and, you know, in his presser, he talked about he was being – he's glad to be somewhere where he's wanted. Said the same and, thing when he went to Boston. They had the yeah. same – a guy put the same – we made the same quote almost exactly, and we know how yeah. that is. I put, a, I put a tweet out there right after the trade that he's going to wake up to, tomorrow morning and say he's re, that he's going to retire. And that's a – it was a joke, but with Kyrie, you never know. Like, you yeah. don't know what he's thinking. He 
one any any day. Like you can't trust them talking about signing him to a four year deal. Like getting signed him to extension, you don't know what Kyrie's going to say tomorrow. So that that's always the deal with Kyrie. So if you're you're acquiring him, you gotta you gotta know that going in because he's. I, I mean, like you said, I hate to say, I mean, he's unstable. I mean, you just never know what 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 he's going to be thinking from day to day. Yeah, and it's he's not. These are healthy scratches. The you know he, he's not. It's not an injury risk, and it's not a it's not a doubt on his on court abilities when he's on the floor. No, he's all. one he, of the best yeah. players in the league, hands down. Yeah. But what what's going to happen in order to make him miss games? And and it's been a string of different things, and so you never know what's going to happen with him. Big risk, I think. Cuban, if any owner in the league can build that relationship with him and and maybe do something. I, I hope that he stays happy there. I hope that it works out because I like watching Kyrie play basketball. I hate that they're in the same division as the Grizzlies, so I don't want them to be too successful, but I want to watch him play. I don't know how many games I want to watch him play in a season because – I'm not convinced that even if he's happy that he still doesn't have some weird setting out for some reason type thing, regardless of where he's at. But back to this game, you were discussing half court offense and like where the Grizzlies are struggling. This front office or well, this is kind of just back to the Grizzlies, not necessarily back to this game. The front office went and made moves in the off season. They said they wanted to address the half court offense they wanted to address shooting. So I pulled these stats up. I went on NBA.com oh, the stats. And and I want to talk about where they were last season as compared to where they are this season. And so last season, the Grizzlies made 11.53 pointers per game. That's good for 23rd in the league. This season, they're making 11.3 per game. That is an improvement in in as far as where they're ranked in the league. They're twentieth as compared to twenty third in the league, but it's fewer three pointers. The attempts are it's identical, thirty two attempts per game. They're shooting thirty five point three percent last season. They're shooting thirty four point four this season. The moves to improve the shooting did not work. Didn't it hasn't worked. You know, Ja got hot tonight. He made the four in the uh, four threes in the third quarter. There was a stretch where the Grizzlies were two for I think eleven from three, and the only two made threes were from Desmond Bain. So you you have to find somebody else that's going to consistently knock down the three. Jaron finished with two tonight. Ja finished with four. Dylan shot the ball terribly. He was one for six from three. Uh, yet over one from Conchar, one for four from Santi, over one from Tyus, and over two from Danny Green. Do they make a trade? Does somebody on this team figure it out? Do we start seeing some consistency from the three point line from somebody other than Desmond Bain on this team? Man, that's the the big question. Uh, because as you said, Zach Lyman and they ended up season presser uh kind of put an emphasis on them improving their shooting um and like you said that you you just broke down the numbers it's pretty much the same thing uh they they haven't really improved and i think as of late it's probably been even worse uh than than it was a lot of those numbers probably come from early in the season early in the season they were shooting the three ball pretty pretty well uh and as of late here as the season's going on they i think they've begin to struggle more and more um and, and the trade deadline is coming up on thursday and I'm in a camp that I, I would still be really surprised if, if they make a move. Um, and I, I've talked about this to, to no end, and there's a lot of people that that disagree with me, but I, I feel like this front office is, is playing a dangerous game. I mean, Zach Lyman has done a, a, a phenomenal job. There's no question about it, man. You just look at the meteoric rise of this team um, from, from where they started and where they are now. But I can, I also feel like because things went so well that that could be a detriment and has them feeling overconfident that every everything they do is going to come up aces. I, I think that what they did in the end of the first round, we've talked about that to, to no end, I think was a heat check by 
moving on from Kyle, trading DeAnthony Melton, and thinking that you could just replace them with guys you drafted. I think that was a heat check by the front office. And some people disagree. I, I think it's been a failure. I think as so far, I mean, we, we don't know what those guys are going to do down the line. But in this moment, in this season, I think that decision to move on from those two guys and bring in LaRavia, Roddy, and move guys up in a rotation like Conchar um, and, and expecting a big step from Zaire, that has been a, a failure. And what I worry about is, and you kind of talked about it with, with, we were talking about OKC earlier. I feel like things have gone so well for them. You talk about drafting Bain, you talk about Sunday Aldama moving up to get Red and Clark. I think they feel like, okay, well, we don't have to do anything. That this window is going to be open for five, six, seven years. We can just continue to, to slow walk this. We can continue with our plan. We're going to draft guys and develop them and these guys at the, the bottom of the rotation are going to be young guys. We're not going to bring in any vets. We're just going to grow this team organically. And I think it's dangerous because I you can look up two years from now and you're going to have Giles or Supermax. You're going to have Jerry's deal kicked in. You got to pay. If you keep Bain, he's going to be on a max probably. And you're not going to have the flexibility that you have when these guys are young. And if you haven't won a championship by then, you're not going to have a lot of flexibility to go out and do anything significant. And, and that's what worries me. I feel like they've had opportunities to kind of do some things here and there. Now, I'm not necessarily saying that they need to go do anything big. Because, like, even I'm, like, the OG Ananobi stuff, if, if the price is what the rumor price is, I'm out on that. Like, I want them to make moves, but I want them to make smart moves. I want them to make the right moves, and I don't think that one is it. Because I think you get him, and you, you're going to end up in the same situation I'm talking about. You're going to be locked in with him and the rest of these guys, and the team's still not going to be able to get over the hump. Like I said, they maybe, maybe organically this team grows in and it does end up winning the championship. But I think if they continue on the trajectory they are now and just kind of refuse to even look at any kind of way to improve the team because they just feel like they have all this time to to improve and they're not really worried about this season. And that's when a lot of Grizz fans are now, there's a lot of people that, the stuff that I was saying this summer, there's a lot of people that now that are kind of coming around to the same things I was saying. And not a lot of those people want them to make a move at the deadline. But in order for them to make a move at the deadline, I think they it would mean that they have to care about putting their best foot forward this season to try to win a championship. And I don't think that's the case. I don't think they care whether they win a championship. I don't think they give a damn whether they win a championship this year. I think they just want to continue this, this kind of two-level plan where you have these rookies and, and younger guys and develop them. And we're just going to keep on growing this thing in-house and we're not going to go outside and get anything outside of the draft. I just, I think that could end up coming back to bite you. I just think they're a little bit overconfident right now and we'll see how it plays out. But I, I just have a, I don't like the fact that they just feel like this window is going to be open forever because windows can close for myriad of reasons. Say, and God forbid, Ja tears the ACL, gets hurt and isn't the same player anymore. Uh, a year or two from now, and you come back like, oh, well, we had opportunities to kind of push this thing, and we didn't. I mean, you just never know what's going to happen. A lot of times things look fantastic, and quickly things things change for, for whatever reason. So I feel like when your window's open, I don't necessarily mean that they have to go out crazy and blow all their assets, but I think they should at least – you see the weaknesses on this team. We talked about half-court offense. Uh, we talked about perimeter defense. And, and and different things. I think backup big is an issue with this team as well. I think you should at least put your best foot forward to try to do the best you can now, uh, because as this team is currently constructed, I, I don't I don't know if this team can win a championship this year. And again, I, I feel like they're close enough to where you should care about this season, but it just doesn't seem like that's the way they're going to operate. It's different. Um, different doesn't always mean wrong, but. Again, it worries me long term. I think the ideologically and the philosophy of the of the way they're thinking it it just concerns me. A lot of people disagree, but that's that's where I am on it. And again, I would be very surprised if they made a move on Thursday just because of the reasons I just laid out. Yeah, I've seen a lot of chatter about, and this is not from media or anything like that, but I've I've witnessed a lot of Grizz fans talking about moving Zaire because of his struggles. 
No, they're not. They're not it. Drake it's, Dyer. It's not happening, man. That, <laughs> no. that was Kleinman's guy. Yeah, they're not Drake. And Dyer. That would be, that would be admitting they, that they made a big yeah, mistake. They're not. They're if not they doing. trade him, yeah, that's exactly right. Like he's swallowing his pride, and he's like, "Well, you know, I took a risk on this kid, and this wasn't it." Because that—that's what it is. If you—if you're trading him now, if—if if we're talking Kevin Durant, and they're like, "Oh, yeah, well, yeah. we're not—we're not making that yeah, deal unless we you gotta have Zayn. Zaire." Yeah, uh, yeah, okay. Th- then that—that's a different story. That's not admitting. But if you're trading him for a lesser player than that, lesser than a a star level player, then that's admitting that uh, that you think you made a mistake. And I just don't see him doing it. I also, might, I also don't think might it shock it, it, me, but they they haven't. What type I'm, of evidence do we have from this front office that would make you think that they're going to all of a sudden accelerate the process? Yeah, I, I just I don't see it. I mean, I, I'm just I disagree with it, but I've just come to the realization that they're gonna do things their way for for better or worse. I, I have a feeling that it 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 it. I think there's a better chance that unless they change the philosophy a little bit, that it, that I think it's a better chance that it comes back to bite them than they win a championship. And I hate to say that. I know that's negative, but that's really how I feel. It worries the, it worries the hell out of me that, that we're going to look up in two years and you're going to have these guys locked in and you're going to be a really, really good team, but you're not going to be able to get over the hump and you're not going to have a lot of flexibility to do things. And I think they're going to look back and say that maybe we should have accelerated this process at least a little bit. That's, that's, that's been my concern, man. And people have killed me for having that opinion, but that's, they were like, oh, and first thing is the executive of the year and all this stuff. And again, man, the climate has been fantastic, but there's this narrative that, quote, common don't miss. And I was kind of having a conversation about this uh, the other day with people kind of breaking down some of the things he's done, some of the things that I feel like are, are great, some of the things that didn't go so well. Uh, first off, a lot of people were giving him credit for, for Jer- drafting Jerry Jackson Jr. And this regime was there for the, the biggest part of this maturation process, but Jared Jackson Jr. was actually drafted by Chris Wallace in the prior regime. Also, a lot of people, and I think this is the linchpin to pretty much everything that's happened here and why this thing is going so well is them getting that number two pick and selecting John Morant. Like, if, if that hadn't happened, I think this could be completely different. People might have a completely different view of, of Zach Kleiman because it's like there's some people out there that think he's perfect and he can't do anything wrong and they can't they won't admit to anything like you talk about Zaire and that that, that struggle oh well they, they just can't admit anything um he's done fantastic like you said man Desmond Bain at 30 Sonny Atoma trained back in to get him at 30 when he we did probably over 100 prospects and Sonny Aldama was not one of them I don't think he wasn't on many mocks and to have the cojones so to speak to take this guy move him up in the first round and give him a guaranteed contract looked insane the first year and we see the dividends i mean i'm still when i watch sunny play man i'm Heck, still even stopped. past even past the first year you know this year in yeah. summer league there's something in utah utah yeah. he still looked like the same deer in headlights guy and i'm still when i watch him on a night in night out basis i'm still amazed at the development that he's had like i i thought that he could be a bottom of the rotation type player a guy that might be able to come in and knock some shots but i didn't see this i mean he's a legit legit basketball player on a really good team. Like I didn't I didn't things he's doing on defensive end and swagger and then he's dunking on people. Like I never never saw that in his bag, man, coming. But you, you were you were a big believer in him, man. You believed in him more than most people, man. So I give you give you your pops on that man said don't give up on the guy. I didn't I didn't necessarily give up on him. I kinda of said that I felt like he could he could contribute and, and be okay when Jerry was out. But I didn't see this coming, man. I, I don't know if anybody saw all of this coming, but you, you kind of look at the last two drafts. We just talked about Zaire, uh, him being the 10th pick. That's not looking great right now. Um, I, I think what they did at the bottom of the first round, those trades moving on from Melton and, I mean, jumping up. And I still think, and this is not a knock on LaRavia. If the people say, he's gonna say you're hating on LaRavia, LaRavia can be a decent player. But we, we, and I'm not calling myself NBA scout or anything, but, we did a lot of work on these draft prospects. And when you look at the guys that were left on that board, it, it shocked me that night, and I'm still scratching my head. I don't know what they saw in LaRavia that made them feel like they needed – they had to have him so bad that they had to move two first-round picks to jump up three spots to get him. I mean, there was a lot of talent on that board. And even if LaRavia pans out, 
is he going to pan out to the point where it justifies you giving up two picks to move up three spots to get him and then indirectly having to give up another asset and melt it and trade back in and get your other guy, Roddy, when you were already sitting at 22-29, you could have taken Roddy at 22, and I think some other guy at 29 kept melting. And I think whatever that package was could have been just as equal or better than what you end up getting. I still don't understand those moves. I, 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 and as, so far, it's been a failure. Not it, It's a still year one, so, I mean, it could play out better. But I think those were a mistake, and people talking about climbing doesn't miss. He has made some missteps. I mean, the Justice Winslow thing, even though it wasn't, big risk or anything you just took a flyer on a guy still was was a miss i mean he hasn't been perfect he's been fantastic but there's some people that try to pretend like he's never done anything wrong and it will argue you to death uh <laughs> that that he's perfect like he's jesus and he's made he's made some missteps missteps so far um and i think the job thing getting him getting to i think changed the whole complexity because if that doesn't happen who knows what what be looking like right now yeah, I think for me, giving up on a young player, it, you look at the precedent on it, right? Look at how many guys started off slow and then turned out to be really, really good, not superstar players, not it, like just really good NBA players. You got to give these guys time. There's an adjustment. And that's why I'm not ready to give up on, on Zaire. Yeah, he, he looks rough right now. He's struggling. No, I'm not giving up he, on he him went, at all. He went to the G League. He scored 16 points in the first half. Excuse me, sorry. Scored 16 in the first half. He didn't score the rest of the game. I don't know Was what happened the there. Yeah. So oh, I, I didn't I, I know they were playing tonight. Somebody said, um, I think Savage uh, tweeted that he had uh, – he had scored 16 before halftime, and then I pulled up the box score, and he didn't score anymore. So I don't know if he set out the rest yeah, of the they game. Yeah, they might have said it. Sure. But, you know, this kid didn't play college ball, really. He had a very short stint at Stanford. A lot and of COVID so stuff going on. He, you, you look at his high school stats, and it's like, okay, there's nothing that really blows you out of the water, like 15.7 rebounds, four assists, doesn't look crazy good in high school, but look at the team that he's playing on. When you're playing at Sierra Canyon, you're playing with other four, five-star yeah. recruits. So this, is not, this is not a four- or five-star recruit playing in, you know, bootlick Indiana yeah. that's going to drop 40 points a game. So, essentially, he comes straight out of high school and he's in the NBA. There's a learning curve there. I, I'm not ready. You know, we we talked about some some pretty big name guys of what his ceiling could be, and I'm not really I'm not on the side to say, oh well, he can't get there. Brandon Ingram was one of those guys that we yeah, talked. That's about. the guy that I brought up. Yeah, you know, Brandon Ingram was not a guy that came in the league and just slid it on fire. It took him not a not super long, but it took him a little bit to figure it out. You look at what Giannis was when he first came in the league. It took him a little bit to figure it out. There's guys that it just takes time for them to figure it out. The speed is different. These are the best athletes in the world. And it's tough because we've watched this team grow so much. It's tough to have patience. And there's times that I still get frustrated. But I, that that's what I'm preaching here with him. I think that his ceiling is still extremely high. Will he ever reach his full potential? I have no idea, but I, I just, I don't see any way that Kleiman moves him because it's an admitting a mistake. And I also, on the other hand, I, I don't want to move him because of his size, the way that he can handle the ball, his physical abilities. If he figures that, that out and puts it together, he could be an absolute monster. He could easily be, the the second best player on this team behind John Morant, if he puts it all together, I, I don't know that we see that happening, or, or that we see that happen. But if we do, it's going to be really really good for this team. Yeah, man. I, to talk has about, to, I was going to say real quick to, to add to the Zaire thing. Man, has the size, has the length. Um, I mean, has some, some tools there. I, I think it would be a mistake to give up on him this early. I'm definitely not not writing him off at all, but. 
I just kind of throwing them in there that people are saying that he doesn't miss. And if you're a, a, a GM that's perfect and you're drafting inside the top 10, you think a guy would, would be in a better position. You would think you'd be sending him down to the Z league in the second year. But for Zaire himself, I'm not giving up on him at all. And even when I talk about LaRavia, definitely not giving up on, on him either. It's just the fact that what they did to get him, I think it's going to be hard for him to live up to that because not only does he have to be live up to the fact that they traded up, traded two first round picks and traded up to get him. You also lost Melton because of that. Cause I tied the two trades together because you wouldn't have needed that trade. If you hadn't moved up to get him, he also has to make up for all of that. And if you trade, trade up two first trade, two first round picks to move up three spots, you're saying this dude is much better than anybody else that we could have gotten in this area. Like this dude is like far and away better than anybody else. Like that's what you felt about him or you wouldn't have made that kind of move to go up and get him. So he, I think he has a lot to to live up to. And I've kind of had some conversations with people about talking about the value and why he has to be so much better. People don't seem to understand what I'm talking about. I'm just saying that there are guys in that range that I feel like are going to be just as good as him or better. Even if he pans out, you still have to look at the fact that they gave up two first round picks to move up only three spots to get him, which meant they felt like this dude was can't miss. Uh, I mean, and I just, I don't know if he's going to be able to live up to that. Maybe, maybe he will. Maybe he turns out to be Gordon Hayward. He's an all-star. We, we'll, we'll see, we'll see what happens. But I, I think he's going to have a hard time living up to that. And it, then that's not a knock on him because I think he has some tools and can be a good player. That's just kind of my thoughts on that. So Danny Green played 14 minutes, 39 seconds tonight. Took two shots. He is just Udonis Haslam at this point, man. I don't I know that he's just coming back from that injury. He's got to get in shape, but he looks like he's running in mud out there. Yeah. He he's slow. He's not gonna have any type of lateral movement. The defender that Danny Green was prior to this injury, the Grizzlies will not see that this year. The expectation <laughs> of what he was going to bring for this team. If you've watched him in these few games and your expectations are still at a high level, I, I want to know why. I want to know what you're seeing that I'm not. I, I just, I like Danny Green. I like what he brings to the team because of that championship pedigree. But I don't think that he's going to be the playing veteran that everybody thought he was going to be. Man, I, I, I tried to tell people to pump the brakes on that. I mean, people had, like, super high expectations that he was going to come in and be the savior. It, it just – it never made logical sense. I mean, the guy, even when he was healthy last year, I think he averaged 25 minutes, and he only averaged five points a game even then. Uh, at 25 minutes a game, healthy. The guy's 35 years old. He's coming off an ACL, LCR tear. And it, and it usually takes guys, and this is even young guys, we see Jamal Murray, he's still not himself, and he's a young guy. It takes guys two years to fully come back from his injury. It hasn't even been a year. He's not even a year removed. It's like eight months that he's back out there. And it was just unrealistic to expect him to come in and be – like, like I didn't even know whether he would be a contributor. And, and so far he hasn't been. He, he's probably going to get a little bit better. But with the amount of time he's trying to fit in with a new team, it, it's just it was unrealistic to expect him to kind of be – this savior. People are like, oh, well, we don't need to make a trade. Danny Green is the trade. And I, I just never felt like that was going to be the case. Like you said, I love him being the veteran of the team and being on ESPN, him talking positive about the team, being an ambassador, being around the guys in the locker room. I like that. But I never really had any expectations for him on the floor because I, I just felt like you were asking a lot for a guy. Like you said, he was only averaging five points a game last year, healthy at 25 minutes a game. And then now you're he's a year older. Uh, coming off two traumatic injuries, not even a year removed. I mean, I, I don't know. I don't know why people expect it so much from them. There's still people that are thinking, uh, well, we don't need to make a trade. I have people telling me all the time, well, even yet today, like, oh, we, we don't need to make a trade because if they trade Danny Green, it better be something major that we're getting back. And I'm like, man, I, I just, I think your expectations are too high. But there, there are a lot of Grizz fans out there that still think that he's going to be this guy because he's won championships in the past. He's hit big shots in the playoffs. And they think it's going to be that same case, the same guy. And I, I just don't think it's going to be that. Not this year, if ever. Uh, but I, I definitely don't think 
in this small window, he's going to be able to get back to that. Like you said, he looks slow uh, on defense. He's not going to have the lateral quickness to play the kind of defense that he's played in the past. And his shot right now is short. I know he has to get in, in shape, but still a lot of shot short, short shots from him uh, when he's shooting from three. And, uh, again, man, I think he's just working through. And I, with the time left, I just don't think he's going to get there uh, this season. I don't think he's going to be a guy that you can really depend on for anything, and I think a lot of Grizzlies fans had this notion that he's gonna be. Yeah, I, I'm not. I'm not even worried about the short on the shots. I, if he's healthy, he's gonna be able to knock down shots. I'm confident in that. I'm just talking about overall movement, man. He just doesn't have that. There was a play the Grizzlies turned the ball over, and they were getting back on defense. He was not far from the play because he was not far from half court when the ball got turned over. And everybody just blew past him getting down the floor. And it's like, yeah, it's just not there. There's no quickness. I know that you're not going to explode. Like, there's not going to be a massive explosion coming off of the type of surgery that he had. But, man, it, it reminds me of, like, a strongman competition you know, when they strap yeah. those dudes into the harness and they're trying to pull yeah. a semi behind them, that's what Danny Green looks like on the floor. Like, his legs are moving, but he ain't moving very fast. And there's time here. You know, we're, we're in February. You got the rest of February. You got March. And you got April. Like, you got that time in order to get him healthy and get him up to game shape. But I just don't think that lateral quickness is going to be there to guard, to be that defensive help that I, I I thought that he would be help on the defensive side of the basketball. See, I see, I did. I was the opposite. My my expectations, I don't think were as high as some people, but I thought that he could still come in and defend. And now I'm not convinced that he can. It's early, still time for him to get his legs. But I, I'll leave that alone. I'm not going to beat him up too bad because, like, I I believe that his knowledge of the game and the knowledge of knowing how to get over that hump is going to be invaluable to this team. Like, that, you can't put a price on that. So that's why I don't expect to see him move. And honestly, unless it's just a team looking to dump salary next year, you're you're not getting – nobody's going to trade for him at this point thinking that he is going to improve their roster because outside of veteran leadership, he's not bringing you anything. No, I mean, you, he would, it would have to be a team like Utah. That's just probably, even though it was weird because I mean, they're, they're still fighting, but they were talking about taking on Russell Westbrook. So if they're talking about taking on that contract and possibly, uh, waving him, I, I think the $10 billion contract, they'd definitely be willing to take on. That'd be a, team that that's taken um and just wants to dump salary it, it probably would have to be i don't think it straight up straight up set it green it probably have to be packaged with someone else to to, to, to kind of make that work but i like i was the opposite i thought that you might get some shooting out of him but i didn't have any expectation on the defensive end because exactly what we've seen from him as far as lateral quickness coming off those two injuries that's what i expected but i'm even concerned about the shooting because I know it's legs, but coming off those injuries, is he going to ever have that lift? I mean, because shooting has a lot to do with your legs and lift, and I don't even know if he's, he's going to get that back in time. So I even worry about the shooting. Uh, but but I, but I of the two, I thought you might be able to get a couple shots from him, but I never really expected anything from on the defensive end from him just because of those two traumatic injuries, his age and trying to come back at a short time. I knew he was probably going to have – wasn't going to have any lateral quickness. Yeah, there were a couple other things that I wanted to talk about on the show. I'm I'm going to cut some of them. I want to talk about the situation that happened with John ja Morant's crew and the Pacers outside of the forum, and then I want to go ahead and wrap it up. I was like, I'm I'm going to throw this to you. You you were kind of keeping up with it more than I did. This is what my understanding of of what the fine like it's done. The NBA has done their investigation. The gentleman that was causing the issue is banned from the FedEx forum for a year. And that's it, right? They're, we're done with it. There's nothing. They're not looking into anything else. Is that correct? Yeah. From our understanding, it, it, it's done. The NBA did their investigation. The major part of it was 
the red beam um, that the NBA players, players and Pacers players and their security said was aimed at their bus, and the NBA could not find any evidence of that. They found evidence of the altercation that the guys did come out and they were going back and forth, standing outside the bus. That did happen, and apparently, John wasn't even out there uh, when 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 this part of the situation happened. Um, it, the reports said that John came out and got in one of the SUVs. There were two SUVs full of guys. Um, and Ja came and got in one of them. And apparently that's the SUV that drove by the bus and that the player said that the red beam shown, that was shown on, on that shot out of that SUV onto their bus. Uh, the Pacers players said that they don't know whether it was a gun or not. The Indiana security said it was 100% a gun. Now, how they know that, I don't know. Uh, the, the van apparently had tinted windows. Um, and, and there are cameras everywhere. Um, I've talked to some people about this, and they say in that loading area because that's where players have all their exotic cars, and they, they say it's, like, secure to the max. Like, there's cameras on every inch, and that it would be hard for something like that to happen and them not be able to find evidence of it. So, Jock all cap on it immediately, that part of it. And from the NBA's investigation, the fact that he's not getting suspended or anything and they're just closed, it leads me to believe that there's probably some truth. I believe Indiana – might have embellished this story because they didn't call the police. They they were talking about they feel for their, their safety, but they called the athletic. <laughs> they didn't call the police, but they called the athletic to kind of tell their story. It's kind of weird that if somebody they fear feared for their life, that they would have got the police involved. I, I find it strange that they wouldn't have. So it seems like this is it. I, I don't think there's anything else going to happen between this. It started with Ja got into it on, on court with Andrew Nim- Nimhard and his boy. Uh, Devontae Pack kind of came on the court. He ended up getting thrown out of the game. Um, he's been banned from FedEx form for a year. Um, and, and I guess it, it kind of stemmed from that. And I guess it, his entourage was upset about that. So they kind of had some words with the team outside after the game. But doesn't seem like anything else is going to come of it. But the, the thing about it is, man, we've had several incidents where you talk about this incident. Um, you go back and I'm not saying this, any of this stuff is Josh's fault, but you have Josh's dad going back and forth with Shannon Sharp out in L.A. You have the situation that happened at, at his house where you say he punched the kid and the kid sued him. A, a lot of this stuff, man, Josh's going to have to kind of rein some of this stuff in because even if he's not doing anything wrong, when his boys, his entourage is involved in this type of stuff, nobody cares about those dudes. The, 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 the name that's going to come out, he's the one that has everything to lose. Anytime you hear these type of stories, it's going to be John Morant was involved in this. And he's the one that has a a, a, a super bad stunt track coming up, a signature shoe with Nike. He's the one that has everything to lose. These other guys uh, are not going to lose anything. And he just, he's going to have to rein this in, man. The stuff about you have your, your, your guys on the sideline, they're coming on the court and all this stuff. And now you have the entire NBA world calling him a thug, saying, oh, oh, oh he's a he's a gangster. He's doing, doing all this stuff. He's And that's just not a good look, man. You just don't want to be associated with that. And I think he just has to rein, rein his in some. And that's not saying that he's done anything wrong. It's just that anytime anybody's associated with him does something, he's going to be the person that, that takes all the bad press for it. Um, and, and so, again, man, it's just sometimes, man, you just have to – you have to kind of separate yourself from some of the things that you – some of your guys or friends that you used to deal with. And like, man, I'm you're still cool, man, but I just can't be around you, man, if you're going to be doing stuff like that. And this is, I think that's the case right here. And because again, man, if you, this continues, man, he's going to lose endorsement deals. Um, and it's just not a good look. I mean, I, I, and, and I don't agree with all the stuff. I don't clutch points, put out this article. I put posted the picture earlier with him has on like a, 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 a like, like he's a Godfather or something, a Godfather hat, like he's some kind of crime boss or something. I mean, it's, it's, it's wild out there, man. They were already waiting for something to kind of, get on him for kind of some of the stuff in the past, some of the tweets that he's made. So again, man, he's just got to rein some of this stuff in, man. That's simple as that. Yeah. Yeah. You have to, you gotta be careful with this stuff, man. It's just the, you talked about the endorsement deals. You talk about the contract, all that stuff. And it's about, it's about more than money, but you, you, stand to, to lose you being John Morant stands to lose, hundreds of millions of dollars if he just signed this the big huge the the huge shoe deal right well nike pulls from athletes all the time right they they pull their contracts yeah. all the time quickly 
So you can lose all of that money. Well, if you lose all of that money and this stuff continues, who are you going to sign with? Where, where, you know, you, you're, you have to find something and these companies are going to be very cautious whenever it comes to this because of where we are as a society. And it's like, okay, well, if you're endorsing this guy, then you're endorsing everything that he's about. And so your, your image matters. And I, I, I feel like Ja has a lot of really good people in his corner and he's going to get this. I hate to say under control. Cause like you said, he's not doing anything wrong, but sometimes you got to make that circle a little bit smaller. You know, that, that's, uh, you know, it's, this is a terrible kind of analogy, but I, I see it all the time. I see people say all the time, there's a reason that Jesus only had 12 friends, right? So, <laughs> like, we're not saying John Rand is Jesus, obviously, but, you know, it, sometimes you just got to kind of shrink that down. And may, maybe it is, maybe it is a small circle. These are isolated incidents, and then we'll see this kind of fade away. But the media has a way of blowing this out of proportion. I did want to clarify that. From our understanding at this point, NBA is investigated. There have been no punishments handed out. The only thing that was done was um, PAC was um, banned from the forum for a year. Yeah, That's the only thing that happened. And that had absolutely nothing to do with the laser. Is that right? That was just because no. he he walked onto the floor during the game. Yeah, he, he when Jai and Andrew Nemhard got into it, he he came out on the floor and had words with Nemhard, and they had they had to take him off the court, and that's what happened there. And and like you said, from the investigation out, from what it looks like, they can't prove that Jai did anything because uh, unless Jai shined a laser, was the one shining the laser on the bus, he wasn't even out there when all this altercation and back and forth was going because that that was the, that had ended by the time they said Jai came out of the building and got into the SUV, so. As far as we know, Ja didn't have any part of this, um, and 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 I kind of agree with with Ja. Like he said, the NBA kind of did their investigation and found out that he wasn't responsible for this, and they still kind of let this get out. And and I understand him being upset and kind of the coverage of this. Um, I'm not I'm not saying he's totally absolved because again, I mean there have been some things in the past and the tweets and things that he's kind of done, but he, he still I, I understand where he's at. Uh, with with that and kind of his comments this morning at shoot around I and mean, he that he doesn't want to talk about it anymore. The investigation closed and it it is what it is. So um, again, man, we move forward. You just hope you don't have any more of these type of incidents again. I um, mean, other news, man, breaking news: Jericho Sims uh, from, from the New York Knicks is going to take Satan Sharp's uh, place in the slam dunk contest. Which is man, I they just need to do away with it, man. I I mean, it's, it gets worse and worse every year. I mean, they got G League guys in it. This year, Mac McClung is in it. He's not even currently uh, up with on an NBA team right now. So it's just to think about it. Man, it used to be Jordan and Dominique Wilkins and these big battles, and see what it is today. I mean, it, I mean, it's even like non NBA players, bottom of the roster guys now. Man, it's super bad, um, and I just it just gets worse and worse. Yeah, they you know the NFL find, found a way to revamp the Pro Bowl. I don't know that I necessarily like it. I didn't watch the new format of it. The, the flag, the flag football game was actually pretty cool. Like I, no. I enjoyed it for for what it is. I think it is it's a situation. I guess it's a less chance of guys getting hurt. Uh, but I mean, it is weird. I mean, you just got they had all kind of weird stuff. I was reading some. Of, I didn't watch any other stuff, but some of the other competitions they had, like it's kind of weird to have NFL players out there playing these games. I mean, I, I don't know what they need to do, but but yeah, the slam dunk contest, man, is just. I don't know what the answer is because they they can't get the big time superstars to 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 commit it commit to it anymore. Man, think about if you had guys like John and LeBron James and guys in this, how awesome it would be. But that's that's just not happening anymore. These guys are not gonna risk injury. Um, and, and to have guys that are not even in the league right right now in it this year, I think this is the lowest that it's ever been. When you kind of look at the list this year, it, it's just bad, man. Um, and I don't I don't know what the answer is, but. I think if it's going to be this low, man, I'm going to think you might as well not even do it. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. So guys, we're going to wrap it up. We appreciate you tuning in. Isaac, it's good to have you back, man. We will be back the next game. Are they off till Friday now? Is that yeah, right? Friday, yep. Minnesota. Uh, it's going to be in the phase form post trade deadline. 
I, I don't expect the Grizzlies going to do anything, but we'll see. Uh, we'll see. I just think the front office is still 100% locked in on, on long-term, and they're not, even though this team has some concerns right now, they're still sitting in second in the West, no matter how much that lead that they've had on, on Sacramento's dwindle. They're still on second place, still going to make the playoffs, and I think this front office is just kind of fine to let it play out, but we'll definitely, man, if something goes down, man, we'll definitely talk about that, but yeah, man, back on the hardwood on Friday night, man, Minnesota Timberwolves, good friend Kyle Anderson to be back in here. You know, that's kind of a a, a rivalry type thing. These two teams do not like each other. So that, that'll be interesting again on Friday night. Yep. So you can get the show on Twitter at ethos Grizzlies. I'm at NBA D will two one. Candace is at Candace H nine Oh one. Isaac, let them know where they can find you and get us out of here. Yeah, man. As David said, man, go to eat those grit, eat those Grizzlies, man. Give us a like and a follow. We appreciate that. You can find me on my personal account at Isaac uh, underscore underscore NBA. That's I-S-A-A-C underscore underscore NBA. Uh, we'll be back on Friday night with a post game. Hopefully Grizzly can carry over some of this momentum, man, and, and, and get a couple wins on a row. Uh, you got a tough game on Sunday at Boston. Um, that's going to be a national televised game. And we definitely want to try to get this one on the home floor. Before when our Boston is a tough matchup for you, man. But for David, um, I've been Isaac Simpson. Until Friday night, we go. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.